Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. And we'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We'll be continuing today going through our studies in the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we are here in chapter number 4, and we've been looking at verse number 10, which says, And indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia, but we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. Now, here we have in the context the Apostle Paul, he is speaking to these saints at Thessalonica, talking about this aspect of how these saints here know and understand what the love of God is, that they understand how it is that they should be functioning as they are dealing with other individuals, and the fact that they have this complete understanding of it, and as he's saying it here, he's looking at this idea of that he's wanting them, even though they have this understanding, that there should be more of an increase of this. And that's what we're going to pick up here is with this last part of this verse when it says, But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more. So Paul, and when he says we... You know, that's going back to the issue of who it is that wrote this epistle. And, you know, when you read the very first verse of the epistle, it says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact that it's Paul... Silas and Timothy who are making this statement and looking at the saints in this manner. Now, when we look at this, and Paul in his epistles really doesn't say a whole lot about Silas other than naming him as he did here at the beginning of the epistle, but we see how Paul will talk about Timothy here and the issue of where Timothy was in his understanding of the things of the Word of God. If we go, for example, let's go over to Philippians chapter number 2. And we're going to see here in this verse how Paul looks at Timothy in his functioning here. And we're going to read verses 19 and 20. Of Philippians chapter number 2, which say, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. So, when he looks at Timothy, and he identifies and says about how he has the mind of Christ talking about himself, how he talks about how he's been given all the things of the understanding of what God's word says, that the Lord Jesus Christ was communicating things directly unto him. 
And then he looks at Timothy and says about how he has no man who is like-minded, which means that if Paul had this understanding and Paul had all of this knowledge of the things of what God's word actually says and understood the program that Timothy had this same understanding of these things because Paul says that he has no man who is like-minded as Timothy, as himself. So Paul and Timothy have this same mindset of these things. And so when Paul can write his last epistle, let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter number 2 to see how Paul is going to be giving these instructions to Timothy as Paul knows that his life is about to end. And here we're going to read the first two verses of 2 Timothy chapter number 2, which say, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. So here you have Paul writing to Timothy, encouraging him. And that's all throughout this epistle. You see this encouragement that he's giving Timothy about standing in the truth of what God's word says, making sure that he's understanding the doctrine of God's word rightly divided, understanding the gospel message which is for today, the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, how belief in that and that alone is what gives someone salvation today. That's the only gospel message which can provide salvation. The fact of Timothy understanding how to study God's word, studying God's word rightly divided. These are the things that Paul is saying to Timothy to commit these things to faithful men so they're going to be able to go out and teach others also. So the idea of, Timothy, you have this understanding of all these things. I know where you are at. Make sure you are taking all of these things, giving it to other individuals, so that way they're going to be able to go out and carry out this same ministry in this exact same manner as we have been going out and teaching these things, as we've been going out and ministering to these assemblies. This is that whole idea of being like-minded, of understanding these things, of the where Paul, even in the early part of his ministry, in as he's writing to the Thessalonians, that Timothy is right there with him and giving the exact same things that the Apostle Paul would be related to 
God's word. So that's why Paul can talk about how, but we beseech that it's a united front of Paul, Silas, and Timothy doing these things. You know, that's part of the problem that we have sometimes in this dispensation and looking at what is going on, that there doesn't seem to be that unity all the time among individuals who are members of the body of Christ. Not understanding where that unity actually is. If we go over to the book of Ephesians in the chapter number 4, we see how Paul, as he's writing to these saints in Ephesus, is going to talk about the things that are that unity. And we're going to start here in verse 1, and we're going to read down through verse number 6 of Ephesians chapter 4, which says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Now, Paul, as he's writing here, and if when you study the book of Ephesians, you see how there's a switch that happens between chapter 3 and chapter 4 of where the first three chapters of the book are really laying out some doctrinal information and then starting in chapter number 4 there's a shift from the doctrine into some more of the practical things of how they're to be living their life and the aspect of as Paul's writing this, he, you see how he starts off with this idea of this practical life, talking about the unity and how we're to endeavor to keep this unity, then lists out what the things are that unify us, which is there is one body, one spirit, is either, as you're called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And how those things in verses 4 through 6 are the things that actually are what unify us and the things that we, you know, that don't fall into these things, you know, are the things that, you know, yes, we should have an understanding of them, but if somebody has a different understanding of it. It's not the thing of where it should break apart that unity that we are supposed to have. The problem that so many individuals in this dispensation have is that they're almost looking for the fight. They're almost looking for that place of disagreement to have 
So that way they can get into some sort of an argument with someone with the eventual goal of that instead of there being unity, well, you know what, I'm going to separate myself from this person because of you know, what it is that they're, that they're thinking and teaching and really going out of the way to create the things that are not the unity. Paul says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. That's a big part of this idea of the love that we are to have is the fact that we need to have this unity amongst ourselves. And we need this because when we really look at the things of what is going on in this world, we can clearly see how you know, those who understand the gospel message for today, those who understand the issues of rightly dividing the word of truth, how we are really at a minority of individuals who would claim to be a Christian. You know, if you ask the average person who says that they are a Christian, what must I do to be saved? Very rarely are you going to hear that you have to put your belief in what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the first four verses. More than likely, you're going to hear something else and all sorts of different things and how when, when people are at that place, they're not even part of this you know unity that we are supposed to have because they're not even a saved individual they can't have the understanding of what god's word actually says you know and that's really you know the first part of any sort of demonstration of love towards individuals is making sure that they have salvation and then once that happens, then everything else can actually start to follow after that. You know, that's why you know, when we really look at this idea of this unity and this love that we are to have, it's an important thing. And that's why Paul has to put it as about the fact that but we, that Paul, Silas, and Timothy, because he even saw how that there were divisions that were happening. He saw that there were people that were leaving the truth of what had been taught because they were being influenced by other individuals. And he's having to say that, you know, we are, and it uses that word, beseech. Now, that the idea of beseech, you know, and that's something that you never saw under Israel's program. You know, when God was dealing with the nation of Israel, especially through the law, there was a lot of you know the commanding of them to do certain things. And the real issue of if they didn't do those things, if they failed to do 
what they were commanded that it was not just a thing of, well, you know, it's okay. You know, you'll do better next time. That there was chastisements that would follow to correct them, to bring them back under, you know, what it is that God was asking them to do. That's why you see, if we, let's go over into the book of Hebrews. And we'll go to Hebrews chapter number 12. And you see how Paul writes, and, and I just said Paul, because, you know, we do not know who wrote the book of Hebrews. You know, some people would say it's Paul, others would say it's somebody else, you know. That's not the important aspect of things. In the book of Hebrews, which is written to the Hebrews, giving them information, we're going to pick up here in Hebrews chapter 12, and we're going to read verse number, starting in verse number 5, and we're going to see how the author of this book is going to deal with some issues of the chastening that was part of Israel's program. Hebrews 12, verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, Afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Now, here in the book of Hebrews, this section related to chastisement, you know, when we look at the things of the law, it was very clear that you know, when you broke the law, that there was a punishment that was going to come about with that. You know, that's why you see in the Gospels when the Lord Jesus Christ is healing that the question comes up about when someone is ill with an illness about who you know who committed a sin that created that illness because the correction of God, and that's what the chastisement actually is. And when we're dealing with Israel, Israel had physical blessings here on the earth. 
that and you see in Deuteronomy chapter 28 we're not going to go there you can look at that on your own where Moses wrote and talked about how if you're doing the right things here's all these blessings that are going to come unto you and that's the first 14 verses of the chapter and then all of a sudden in verse 15 it shifts into that if you're going to if you don't do the right things you know, here's all these cursings that, and really the chastisement that's going to come. And it's all in the exact same areas of where those blessings are. So it became very easy to see if someone was doing the right things or doing the wrong things. And all of those blessings or cursings designed to correct and keep a person walking on the right path now that's why you don't have to see the issue of a beseech or a bag because you know they really had to be functioning properly they had to see you know all of those good things happening as a result of their proper walk and if they didn't, they would face the chastisement of God. Now, Paul makes it very clear and talks about how we are not appointed to wrath. You know, God does not deal with us, the members of the body of Christ, in that manner. You know, that's why you see how Paul will write things and talk about how you know we don't have physical blessings. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And that's because we have a heavenly hope. So when we do the things that are contrary to the word of God, and that's the only things of, you know, when we talk about, you know, what would be, the wrong things it's whatever is contrary to what god's word actually says you know the issue of what happens to us today is that it's not some sort of physical chastisement it's not something that we can actually see the whole issue of what happens is when we do the wrong things we're building wood, hay, and stubble at the judgment seat of Christ instead of the gold, silver, and precious stones. These are things we cannot see, you know, right now. You know, we'll see all of that when we are in the heavenly places, when we are there with him standing at the judgment seat, watching the wood, hay, and stubble burn away, receiving a reward based on the gold, silver, and precious stones, you know, that's why you have the issue of that it's going to be a begging here. And I, and I want to actually you know, give the definition here very quickly of what beseech actually means here. And it says, to entreat, to supplicate, to implore, to ask or pray with urgency, 
followed by a person as I, Paul, beseech you by the meekness of Christ, and that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, or by a thing as I beseech your patience. So the issue of, you know, to entreat, to supplicate, to implore, you know, that's an idea of, and you've heard me say it several times, I say to beseech or to beg that Paul has to beg the members of the body of Christ to function and perform in the manner that is consistent with what the word of God rightly divided actually says. Now, next week, we're going to actually look at some of these aspects of what the word of God specifically says related to the word beseech. Now, as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have some audio files of previous messages. We have information about how to join our Sunday morning service or our Wednesday night Bible study live as they're broadcast on Facebook. And as always, if you have any questions or comments about anything on our broadcast, anything on our website, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.